Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today, we are going to talk about reading resilience, empowering parents with four strategies to support struggling readers. And my guest today is Dr. Emily Levy. Dr. Emily is I just lost my page here, (laughs) is the founder and director of EBL um, Coaching, a specialized tutoring program that offers individualized one-on-one home virtual and on-site instruction using research-based multi-sensory techniques. She's also the author of Strategies for Success, a 22-part student workbook series that teaches students strategies for test-taking, note-taking, reading comprehension, writing, summarizing, and executive functioning, along with Flags and Stars, Orton Gillingham Student Workbook series, which helps students develop their fundamental decoding and spelling skills. Additionally, she's the author of Flags and Stars Multisensory Math, a multisensory math um, program that helps students develop a stronger understanding of core math concepts, including addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and fractions. Wow, that was a mouthful, Emily. You are a busy lady. <laughs> I'm glad that you are here and um, and and having this conversation with us. It's um, one that I um, am super excited about. So um, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Absolutely, yes. And um, and we have a lot of guests with us today. People popping on live. We are live right now on. Um, Looks like Facebook might be having some issues. We'll might have to rebroadcast there. Um, but we are definitely on YouTube, Twitch, um, and Instagram, and it looks like on a couple other places too. So if you're joining us, have some questions about reading or just maybe um, 
want to share that you're struggling with an emerging reader or a struggling reader, um, put some comments into the feed wherever you're watching. We would love to know where you're at, um, just how this conversation can help you, and maybe some things we can address along the way. Um, We've got a few notes, but that's why we go live. So we want you to be part of this conversation as well. Um, So Dr. Emily, I usually ask my guests when they first come on, just to tell us a little bit about your background, why you are passionate about um, helping students in general, um, and and maybe passionate specifically about this topic of reading, too. I'd love to know that. Sure. Well, I've been the founder and director of EBL Coaching for really over 20 years now. That's amazing. Yeah, our specialty really is working with students who have learning challenges, attentional challenges, various types of special education needs. And a very big part of what we do is reading remediation. So many of our kids struggle with reading, whether it's Mm. decoding basic words, reading fluency, reading comprehension, really all aspects of reading. (laughs) And we found that when we use the right approach, the right research-based, multi-sensory structured approach, the Mm -hmm that we see are amazing. And so I've just developed this passion for really being able to help so many kids build their reading skills using the right approach that's really individualized to their needs. Yes, individualized. I think that's really important um, because I... I think a lot of parents, and I, I know just from my own background, it's like you're you're searching, you're hunting. I need a program that works for my child, and you buy one, it doesn't work, so you buy another one, and and a lot of those still need to be customized to that student. And um, I, I think it's a hard thing to hear because we just want that quick fix to say, yes, I found the magic bullet, and now my child's going to be in a tremendous reader. <laughs> But it is a process and of growing and learning with your students and what um, a delight that people have you as um, as a resource to to help them along that way. And you've even written some books. And so um, I'm just excited for um, all that you have to share with us today, just about just helping students to learn to read. And I'm I'm assuming learning to love to read as well, not just like getting through that task and then, you know, saying, okay, we did it and <laughs> setting it aside. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. There's not just one element. And, and by the way, to your point that you mentioned before, it's not just even selecting the right program that's best for your child, but it's individualizing every step of the way. Yeah. So more time on a certain lesson, less time on another, really kind mm. of gauging how they're responding and spending the right amount of time on each aspect of the program accordingly. Yes. Yeah. There is, there's a lot of give and take in teaching. And um, I think that is, especially as you're teaching multiple children in a home, I I know that perspective of, you know, homeschooling and it's like, Oh, I don't even know, you know, how this one's doing it, but it, it really is worth our effort to really like, like you said, gauge and and kind of get that feedback every day. And it's not going to be the same every day. Lessons, just one lesson can, a child can like just breeze through it. And the next day you go, what, what happened? <laughs> Absolutely. That happens all the time. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so parents, you're not alone. <laughs> if you're feeling like, why is this going on? <laughs> you're not alone. That's, That's a normal thing. <laughs> yes. yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So what would be the most fundamental thing that a parent should do to 
to, to kind of help a child embrace the concept even of reading? Sure. Well, I think there's different aspects to that question. So I think first off, if a child is struggling to learn how to read from the mm -hmm. get go, then it's important to be proactive and say, you know what, I'm noticing that my child is really not able to decode words and she's in right. first grade, she or he. So it's really kind of identifying from the get go that there's a challenge and then mm -hmm. take action. So I think there's that yeah of it. Um, there might be other kids that are fine with decoding, but they really struggle to comprehend. They're able to mm. focus on the mechanics of reading, but can't quite grasp what they're reading. So I think that's right. the first key component in helping a child who's struggling with reading is identifying where the holes are and then right. from there figuring out the plan of action to address mm. those key areas. Right. Yes. There's so much involved with the reading process itself. And it's so complex. I know in years past, I've done um, some broadcasts with people that kind of broke it down into all those little parts. And it, it kind of just makes your, your mind hurt <laughs> when you think about everything that is involved in the reading process. And yet we, we somehow think if we can just put some words and um, some simple concepts in front of our, our kids, that it's just going to like absorb and it just doesn't. <laughs> It's very, very rare that that happens. Some mm -hmm. gifted kids are able to kind of pick up on reading, but really yeah. most kids need that direct instruction to learn how to read. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had that with my third child. She just picked it up and started reading at three. Oh, right. it was such a gift after having to teach my older two. <laughs> that gave you a little bit of a break, I'm sure. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So, so what about just spending time reading? to our kids versus having them read? What What is the benefit to that? And how does that help them eventually to become a better reader over time? Sure. Well, I think the answer to that is it partially depends on the age of the child. Of course, for mm. little kids who are non-readers and not able to read yet, really just learning to love books and love language mm -hmm. and understand that we turn pages from left to right and that there are words on the page. Uh -huh. Those are key skills for little kids who are not quite ready to learn yet. So mm -hmm. lots of reading, lots of exposure to language and books is so important. Yeah. Then when the kids start to read very basic books, I think it's important to do a combination of Having them read some of those very basic books like Bob books or books that have mm -hmm. basic decodable words that may not be as language rich, but allows right. them to practice their reading skills mm -hmm. along with you reading language rich books to them. So there are so many oh, yes. books that will build their comprehension and build their love for reading mm -hmm. that they won't necessarily be able to read at a young age. So really doing that combination. And then yeah. as students get older, I think obviously we want them to do more and more reading, have them read out loud. Sometimes in the beginning, we might do a combination with a chapter book where the child reads a page and then the parent reads a page or they yeah. all child reads to the parent. So really kind of continuing with the love for language and books and reading by reading to your child, but also mm -hmm. encouraging them to read on their own and really building their confidence, really wowing them yes. with, oh, look at this book that you were able to read a month ago. You couldn't even read one word from here. And mm -hmm. now you read the whole book. So really kind of building their confidence and their joy for reading by showing them those little milestones. Absolutely. You know, you talked about confidence. How much is confidence integrated into the reading process itself? I think confidence is a huge part of it. There's so many mm. 
I see that might actually know how to read, but they second guess their themselves all the time. They huh. might their parent and say, kind of sound, decode the word, but then not confidently. And they kind of look to their parent to give them reassurance that that was correct. And the parent is there kind of nodding their head. So we want right. to really their independence and their own confidence in their reading. And hmm. we thought that as students build that confidence, in turn, they also learn to love reading and they find yeah. able to comprehend the material and they're really able to, to love the books that they read rather than just hmm. for the sake of reading. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has to become that eventually because we, we never, we don't want to do things we, we struggle in. And, and so the more that your student struggles, of course, the more they're going to say, Oh, I don't want to do that. And that's just too hard. And um, we want it to be fun and engaging. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. So, I, yeah, I love that that suggestion of, you know, when they get to that point of, reading a page and then having them read a page because I think it, it does get fatiguing, doesn't it, too, to certain students? And yes. yeah, yeah, especially those who struggle to decode words. They have to put mm. so much energy into reading each word that it's exhausting. And sometimes they also miss out on the comprehension. So in oh, addition yes. to them reading a page, I always like to also ask them questions about what they read oh, to make sure uh -huh. that they understood the material and they weren't just reading again for the sake of reading. Right. Yeah, that's that's a super important important stopping point because yes, we can just go, okay, we're we're done with the book. We finished it and then yes, they may have read the text, but did they understand any of the text that they read? And um to going back over that. Do you have any pointers for for helping a student with comprehension issues? Sure, absolutely. Um well, there's several things that we can do. One is if they're reading a chapter book, it's really important to stop every page or every two to three pages and really self-reflect either mm. just in their mind. What did I read about? What were the characters that were introduced? Or sometimes even using little post-it notes of writing a, a quick little summary of what they read and stick it in the book. And then at the uh -huh. end of each chapter, again, they should self-reflect. They should summarize what they read. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we even do character charts and a setting chart and really make mm. sure that they process and understood what they were reading. And then right. in terms of discussions, we can also talk about higher levels of reading comprehension, making predictions, mm. making inferences. Why do we think that happened? What do we think might happen next? Mm. Really engaging with the text. When right. students are reading uh, individual passages, like a social studies passage or nonfiction mm. passage, sometimes we'll teach them an active reading strategy, like rather than just reading and then answering comprehension questions, we might teach them to identify three key elements. The first is okay. the topic, which is really what the passage is about, and we learn mm -hmm. to highlight topic in blue. Then the main idea is what the author is saying about the topic, and we'll highlight that in green. And mm -hmm. then we'll go, go through the passage and highlight the important salient details in yellow. Mm -hmm. and sometimes we'll even talk about, is this an important detail or is it not an important detail, that uh, issue of saliency. So it's again, right. teaching them to not be passive readers, but really to be active readers mm -hmm. and to be actively engaged in the text, which really helps to build their reading comprehension skills. Absolutely. Yes, because they're they're really interacting with those words even 
Um, I found that that helped my kids become better writers in the long run because then they were able to say, oh, I can take these words out of the text and then and put them in my own words. And, and then it makes more sense to me what, what was really going on there. But they didn't feel like they had to like recreate the wheel and like write something about what you just read. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I've got all these words already and I can just take them out and and then use them as a starting block. And wow, you know, opened huge doors for my my non-creative, especially my non-creative engineering child. <laughs> and writing is, is very much connected to reading comprehension. And some kids, like you alluded to, they don't even know how to start with writing. So sometimes right. having texts to work with will give them a nice starting point for how to begin the mm -hmm. writing process. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some great, great tips. I, I love the post-it note thing um, on the pages because you do, you feel like you do get this, the, um, our kids can become so overloaded with information or, you know, maybe they're just getting lost up in the story too, which is great, but then they tend to forget some details as well because they're just going through it so fast. So good skills on either side for maybe it's even a good reader who just tends to kind of breeze through everything and, and miss those details. And also kids who have attention challenges and might just be distracted yes. as they're reading. It forces them to stop, to reflect, and to make sure they didn't miss any of the key components of the story. Right. Yes. So what about other multisensory types of things to do to help kids with with reading in general, or um, I guess anything else that you can think of that um, would make that process uh, a little more enjoyable or a little less stressful? <laughs> sure. Well, I think a multisensory approach is key, especially for struggling learners, but really mm. all kids benefit from it. And they actually really enjoy learning with a multisensory approach because they're not just sitting and listening to a teacher or working out of a workbook, but their senses are actively engaged. So for example, uh -huh. for younger kids who are learning letter formations, the names of the letters and the corresponding sounds, we might take out a tray of sand or, or a tray of colored sand or flour or salt or anything that's tactile and teach them letter formations by tracing those letters in the sand. So again, rather than just working out of a workbook, we might say that when we write the letter C, we go around and we'll actually trace that with our fingers in the sand, which mm. they can do at a beach or at a park also. And right. then we skywriting and we, we might say now let's stand up and use our big gross motor, motor muscles and in the sky we trace the letter c and then mm. to bring to another level we might have a key picture that goes along with the sound for the letter c so we might have a flashcard mm. with c on the front and a picture of a cat on the back and we say this is the letter c it makes a sound like cat so again we're really engaging mm. senses also right. the kids because they enjoy the process, but really right. helping to solidify those skills into their long-term memories. Absolutely. Yes. And enjoying a process, enjoying the, the, the task just makes learning skyrocket. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And so many, I mean, kids are made to play. And I, I know I've had many conversations over the years um, just about that, that aspect but when we take play out of and the joy out of the learning, we we make learning really hard, much harder for our kids instead mm -hmm. of easier. Um, we just have to learn ourselves as parents how to play a little bit more, I think. 
<laughs> so many ways to integrate learning into play. Like we can take mm. a beach ball and we can write letters all around it. We throw the mm. beach ball and, and whoever catches it has to say the sound that that letter makes or has to read a word. Right. There. So they feel like they're playing ball, but at the same time, they're practicing their reading skills. So there's definitely Absolutely. a way to use the two and make it really fun and engaging for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. So many great ideas. Yes. And I, I know that over the years, I got better with that. <laughs> and so if you're a parent who's struggling with having fun, just know your your kids will teach you how to do that. And it's necessary for them and you as well. <laughs> good at that. Yes. yes. So we had um, a couple of questions from viewers and um, this kind of hits on the next topic. So I thought I would bring it up. But um, Shayla had asked um, when we sent our I, email out last night about the show, um, she responded back that she wanted to know if there are any curriculums rec that you would recommend for emergent or pre-readers. And then I'd like you to kind of piggyback on that with just structured reading programs and the importance of them. Sure. Well, first up, I'm very much of a believer in structured reading programs, even for kids who don't have a diagnosis, who don't struggle. I believe that kids respond very well to structure as long as we keep it multi-sensory and engaging for them. Yeah. With that said, I love the Orton-Gillingham method. It was originally designed for students who have dyslexia, but we mm -hmm. have used this method on all kids and kids love it. And it's incredibly effective. It's one yeah. example of a structured research-based a multi-sensory reading program mm -hmm. and can be used as young as, as preschool level, really for, for pre-readers, really? for emerging readers. Mm. Absolutely. And the beginning concepts really surround learning to identify the names of the letters, their corresponding sounds, how to form each letter properly so we can try mm. to be proactive and avoid reversals that many kids right. will have that can be developmental. But if we teach them proactively how to properly structure each letter, we can prevent that. And then mm. eventually we work on how to blend those sounds together to form words. And we might take out magnetic tiles and work on blending with those or a little whiteboard or flashcards mm -hmm. that have letters on them. So again, we're engaging the senses. There's lots of games right. that are part of it. The kids enjoy it, but at the same time, it's structured, it's proactive, it's systematic, and mm -hmm. it's really building those foundations of reading at a very young age. Yeah. Yes. I, I never even thought of, yeah, that it could be something that you could use that young and that it wouldn't, you know, include all of those, those concepts or um, tasks for the pre-reading and emergent readers. Um, yeah. So, so there's, yeah, there's a lot to be, um, to think about when, when you're introducing that and how much nicer to have that research-based background to somebody saying this, this works and these are the concepts that build on other concepts and trying, instead of trying to recreate the wheel while you're, you're sitting there with all these workbooks in front of you going, what do we do next? <laughs> exactly. And it's like building a house. If we don't have those foundations of reading intact at a young age, it only becomes that much more challenging as they move through school. Yes. Yeah. The, the gaps get bigger and then you realize them and going back and trying to figure out where they are is more difficult. So, so yes, if you have a child that even struggles. So what, what would you say to a parent who has a child with uh, maybe a, a more severe learning challenge and reading is going to be delayed a ways? Um, how do they use a program that um, is structured like that um, to Still, because I know a lot of parents are like, our goal is that my child reads, you know, by 
at some point, like late teens, early mm. adulthood. Sure. Um, and so how do they structure the introduction of that program and then use that um, still for that same child um, in a way that that would work for their ability to learn new skills? Sure. Well, we do work with many students who have severe special education needs. And like you said, they're not able to read until they're in their teens or their adults. So we're very familiar with that kind of population of students. Mm-hmm. Really, The idea is using the same approach, using a program like Wharton-Gillingham, a systematic structured multisensory approach, but being mm-hmm. very diagnostic and prescriptive in the approach in which it's taught. Oh, okay. Meaning, it might take an entire week or longer for the student to learn the letter C and the sound that goes along with C and how to form that letter. It might take mm-hmm. a month and that's okay. We're going to move at their pace. When they're right. ready to go on to the next letter, we do that. When they're ready to start blending three sounds together, we might only teach them four consonants and one short vowel in six months. And then yeah. we work just how to blend those sounds together to form a basic word. And mm-hmm. that's okay. It's really about moving at their pace, giving them as much time as they need and as little time as they can is what I was right. like. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> For them to meet their own milestones, which might be very different than the milestones of, of another child or another adult for that matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important information to, to kind of absorb as, as a parent, just to that, that it, it is going to maybe take longer and, and you do have to focus a, a lot more time just on a single lesson and those concepts and, and not rush it. Cause I think we get anxious and then we start to kind of move our child faster than they, they should be moving. And it, it's not, it doesn't help anybody in the end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Part of it's having patience and understanding that it just may take a lot longer for a particular child than another to grasp a concept. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and so that's where, you know, having somebody come in as a, a tutor or um, just somebody who can help write out a lesson, a series of lesson plans using a structured program. So, um, so I know you do this a lot. You, um, you pair up people with, with tutors and things. So what, what would a parent be looking for if they had a child that struggles? They're looking for that kind of help. Um, what, what kind of, um, questions should they ask? Um, and, and information that they need to share about their child in order to make that relationship really effective in, in helping you know, not the well, not only the child, but also themselves as a parent to be able to teach their child at home. Sure. Well, first off, I think if a parent chooses to bring on a tutor, it's really important that it's not just a generic tutor or someone who's helped with homework, but really someone who specializes in a particular approach to teaching mm-hmm. reading and has that systematic approach. I have many parents that come to me and say, I had this tutor and, you know, every week was a different lesson and nothing built upon itself and we didn't really mm-hmm. see any progress. So really having that systematic approach that starts with the foundations and really builds upwards from there yeah. definitely makes a difference. So I think really making sure it's someone who has the right approach, has the right mm-hmm. Uh, methodology that they'll be using with with your child. I also do think it's really important to share as much information with the tutor about your child. Mm. If if there are diagnosis, if they're comfortable sharing an IEP, any evaluations, Mm. talking to the tutor about how your child learns best. Are there certain approaches that work well? 
Do we need to build in little breaks? So really understanding both the needs of the child, but also approaches that have worked in the past. I think really arming the tutor with that information initially is really helpful. And then Mm -hmm. the other is that um, depending on the frequency of the tutoring, if the parent is open to reinforcing what is covered Mm. in each session, we find that progress just skyrockets when they get that. That's amazing. Yes. Uh I think just really... Um, the, the pa- encouraging the parent to really speak to the tutor or um, find out what they're working on, which materials that they're using and what they mm-hmm. can do in between sessions to reinforce the concepts. Even if it's just playing a learning game that reinforces what they covered during the last session, that's okay. Just having some kind of reinforcement so there's continuity and consistency with the instruction. Yes, yes. The less confusing you can make it for the, the, the student, the better. Um, yes. And, and we find that same thing goes for therapies and and a whole bunch of things. The more the parent gets involved and reinforces at home that you just, I mean, you multiply many times the effectiveness of having that professional come in, um, because they're guiding, but they're, they, they don't live in your home (laughs) and they're not with your student all the time like you are. Um, so, so that is extremely helpful and, and the, the most effective way to use those funds, um, to really help your student too, instead of just saying, okay, sit in front of this computer now and work with this person. And, um, it's my hour off to maybe work with your siblings, (laughs) but to really be engaged. Yes. And so that, that's really important. Um, yeah. So we had a couple questions from viewers there that, uh, that were um, submitted ahead of time that were very similar to each other um, and had to do with interest in reading. Um, the first one was submitted by Nicole and she said, how can I get my daughter more interested in reading? And then Lisa asked, um, how can I help a child who has no desire to read and thinks it's too hard? So I think these are just, you know, how can we get our children past even those that roadblock of just thinking about reading? <laughs> Sure. That, those are both good questions. And of course, reading is so important. It builds so many skills, mm. vocabulary, decoding, so many aspects of it. And I think part of the key to engaging a child and helping them to enjoy reading is to find topics that they're really interested in. It could be anything, uh, it could yes. be mermaids or dinosaurs, or it could be nonfiction topics or the moon or whatever it is. Mm. And then really finding different types of books that are on that topic. And some of them might be books that you read to your child and other ones might be books that they read to themselves. But mm. if they're interested in the topic, they're more, more likely to get engaged in the text than if it's some yeah. random topic that they find to be boring and that they mm. can relate to at all. So right. really trying to start with those topics mm. is really key. And it might be that you're reading a newspaper and you find an article on a topic that they're interested in and you engage Hmm. them with that or or on the internet or a novel. It could come from different places, but I think starting with topics that they're interested in is definitely key in helping to engage them. Mm, Yes. Yeah. Whether you're interested or not, (laughs) it's always interest-based learning is so amazing and opens so many it opens your student to going through some of those hard things um, because they're, they're so interested in the topic or the concept that they kind of push through that, that harder stuff 
that they wouldn't have otherwise. Yes. Um, I, I have a story that I had sat down with one parent. She was ready to give up homeschooling this last summer. And, and I said, how about you take all the books that you picked out <laughs> and put them aside and ask your daughter what she wants to learn about? And she came back to me within less than a week after she had done that. And she goes, you would not believe this child is asking me questions. She wants to learn more and she wants more books. And, <laughs> um, it's amazing just, what that can do. It's quite amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And then it and gives them the skills that can be transferred to other topics and other books and other materials. So it's exactly. really building those skills through topics they're interested in. Yes, and they will move on. <laughs> they, well, they oftentimes won't get stuck there for too long. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So can we talk about dyslexia a little bit? Because I know a lot of kids who do struggle, that um, it ends up being the diagnoses that um, a, a child is given. Um, and and I'd like to talk not only about the difficulty sometimes that come with that diagnosis, or um, maybe parents are seeing something and going, I don't know, maybe are we seeing that? And with homeschooling, it's harder because your child is not identified within the school. You mm -hmm. kind of have to identify them yourself and then take them to get di a diagnosis um, if you choose to do that and if you feel it's beneficial for your student. Um, but then there's so many things that are on the flip side it, that are true gifts that come with that. And um, so I'd, I'd like to first talk about um, some of the things that, that are really difficult or maybe are um, things that would be, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, um, they would just be things that would kind of go, oh, is that maybe what we're looking at, you know, as far as a, a parent seeing some some things and going, yeah, I maybe this is actually what we're dealing with. And it isn't just a power struggle between me and my child, which is what I thought it was for a long time with my middle child until I realized, oh, yeah, no, he just can't do this. And um, he's trying to, you know, work around it um, because of that difficulty. Sure, sure. Well, I would say... Um Classic challenges with dyslexia are difficulty with the mechanical aspect of reading and writing, meaning mm. decoding words, reading fluency, spelling words, writing. It usually does not affect intelligence or comprehension. So oftentimes, mm. a student who has dyslexia will be able to comprehend incredibly complex material that you read to them, but they might uh. have trouble reading a very basic sentence on a page themselves. Now, sometimes their decoding challenge can affect their ability to comprehend what they're reading because they're focusing so much time and energy right. sounding out each word. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes they're very smart. They have the ability to comprehend complex material, but it's mm -hmm. really teaching them the tools for how to build those mechanics of reading and writing. That's really yeah. typically key with students with dyslexia. Okay. Yeah, that, that does make sense. And so you, you could think that it is a comprehension, but if they're focusing so much on those words, then, um, yeah, that it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna make sense or even be something they, they can build that full picture with. Cause really it, it's that mental picture that you're building mm -hmm. while you're, you're decoding and, and adding all the little pieces together. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. And again, usually they have very strong compre auditory comprehension skills in, in intelligence, so many great gifts, mm -hmm. but mechanics that need some development. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's where I know a lot of parents go to the Orton-Gillingham method because it really does fill in all those gaps for decoding and is a, it's a great resource um, and, and structured program for that. It's an amazing resource and it truly does wonders, especially for students with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let me, wrong place here. Um, <laughs> what about word retrieval um, with students with dyslexia? Is that common? that yeah I mean it certainly can be common that is often something that we do see for students who have dyslexia so we want to work on building that skill as well and helping them to really kind of retrieve and identify the words that they're trying to use both when writing and even orally hmm okay yeah that's interesting yeah and I'm assuming across the board it's not for every student but but some exactly Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. I know my child not only had dyslexia, but um, an auditory um, processing disorder. So even audiobooks we couldn't do. And it became like this nightmare for a parent trying to teach a child to read because even this reading out loud to him was difficult. Right. Um, he ended up coming up with something in his teenage years. He, he can read like like foreign films, all the captions for hours on end because the picture's up on the screen mm. and, and comprehend all of it. And yet there was no other mode that he could get. Now that he's older, he's been able to adapt to like audiobooks and all, all of that and reading text too, but um, such a struggle. And um, I think we as parents can really beat ourselves up about this and, you know, I'm never going to get the solution for my child. It will come eventually. And um Yeah. Well, and there's so much uh, technology and resources now that didn't exist before, but I think it's amazing that your son found a tool that works for him, that he's able Mm. to visual cues or or whatever it works for him in order to read and understand what he's reading. Yes. Yeah. It, it just, it takes some, a little bit of extra time and we just have to be patient with, with them and ourselves um, cause they're just, there is no perfect solution. I think I, you know, we're, we're coming back around to, um, what we were talking about at the beginning is that customized approach and how important it is that we don't get caught up in, well, this program is supposed to work and now my child should be reading and they should be loving to read too, by the way. Um, and then it doesn't hit right away because we still have to customize a little bit more, um, and, and so to just keep plotting on with your child um, and, and working towards that goal is that they will read and they will love to read. And, um, and I think if you just keep, keep moving forward with them, that eventually does happen. Um, yeah. So, so with dyslexia comes some, some great um, benefits as well. Can we um, talk about those for just a little while? Absolutely. Well, dyslexia comes with so many gifts. So many of the great visionaries and leaders in the world have dyslexia. Mm. And I think one thing that's often unique is that um, individuals with dyslexia tend to be very creative. They're often really good artists. They're able to see things visually that others can't. Mm. Um, In fact, I have a a colleague who's a spine surgeon, incredibly incredibly successful spine surgeon. And I was speaking to him once and he said that his whole, his entire 
you know, K to 12 years of schooling were a struggle for him because he mm. struggled so much with reading. But once he found surgery and was able to make it through medical school, it was mm. like a whole new world for him because it tapped into everything he was really good at. And he has someone wow. who helps with emails and, and a little bit with reading as needed. But he mm-hmm. was able to find a field that works for him and he's incredibly successful. So, you know, yeah. sometimes the challenge with dyslexia is, is getting through school. It's a challenge. But then mm. once we get past that, there's so many gifts that will make them successful in life and successful mm. in the world. And it's really a matter of kind of channeling those skills into a right. field and a career that will help them to be successful. Absolutely. Yes. And I, like you said, they have to make it through. <laughs> and I think that's the hardest thing as a parent is just getting them through and encouraging them enough to say, you know what, there's there's just so much more than the reading, the writing, the math. Um, there's there's just, you have all these gifts and mm. they, your day will come. <laughs> I mean to belittle the K to 12 and, you know, make it sound like it's a, that's a struggle. It's a real struggle. But I think yeah. also encouraging their strengths. If they're really mm. good at art, have them take an art class or do artistic um, activities with other kids Mm -hmm. who also like art. They might be really good at music. Encourage them to take a music class or do acting or really kind of play up their strengths so that Mm. they feel good about themselves in certain ways that will help build their confidence. Absolutely. Yes. And as homeschool parents, you have the ability also to make those courses and yeah. so, um, so add them to school. Don't, don't start taking away things. I, I think the things that makes me cringe the most is when parents say, well, my child isn't finishing their reading or finishing their math. So I've taken everything else out mm. so we can focus on that. And that just, it like brings their world down to everything I can't do. And so think, think about that. Um, and, and consider adding more. Give them more to do, more that they love to do, um, and you will see them flourish. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. It'll build their confidence and really exactly. help Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that confidence. We we had talked about that earlier and that low self-esteem and just how it affects reading. And um, and so, so, yes, very, very important, important things. It'll help them be successful in life in general if they can build mm-hmm. confidence. It's not with reading, even if it's with acting or art or people skills or whatever it is, we mm-hmm. want to sustain what they're good at so that ultimately they'll find a way to be successful in life. Yes. Yeah. And they'll pursue in the end reading about those things because they want to get better at it. Exactly. And so it all comes around. <laughs> now I'm amazed that you know, my we got together with my kids in January and we we did a family trip and one of the places they wanted to go was the bookstore and I thought okay family trip to the bookstore let's go <laughs> yeah oh that's awesome so Emily can you talk a little bit about EBL coaching and what you guys do. Um, for those of you listening on the podcast, um, um, Emily's website is eblcoaching.com. And so I'd love you to, for you to share about that. Absolutely. Well, at EBL coaching, we specialize in providing one-on-one tutoring to special education students, starting as young as pre-K and going all the way mm-hmm. through the adult level. We always wow. start with an initial evaluation to really gauge what the student's strengths and weaknesses are and the areas mm-hmm. that we 
development. And then from there, I match that student with one of our tutors who specializes in what they need the most help with. And we do all skills. Of course, we do a lot of reading work with the Orton-Gillingham method, with the structural mm-hmm. multisensory approach. But we also cover math and spelling and writing, executive mm-hmm. functioning, study skills, so kind of really yes. all core academic skills. And the key with our approach, as we discussed during the show, is really making the sessions diagnostic and prescriptive. Always mm-hmm visualizing the instruction based on the needs of each student. Um, Of course, do the tutoring in person locally in our New Jersey, New York areas, but Mm -hmm. now help so many students internationally through amazing platform. And we've created such great technology and resources that we're able to use virtually. So the student Mm. tutor can engage together as though they were in person. So it's really allowed us to help so many more students beyond just the New York, New Jersey area. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's so much need out there. And I'm just excited that, um, that you're filling that that need and continuing to grow in that too. And um, just using your expertise and and years, years of work, um, and research too to, um, to be able to, to help more families, more kids, and um, just getting beyond those, those struggles because they, they're so common. I, I think we, we, when we start talking about it, people realize, Oh, I'm not the only one. I'm not alone. Um, there's, there's a lot, a lot of kids out there that struggle and, um, and there's, there's help. <laughs> so. Help resources so much more than there ever was in the past. So it's mm-hmm. really, uh, there's so much value and, and tools out there that you can use with your child. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in connecting with Dr. Emily and her team, go to eblcoaching.com and and just see what they have. She has a lot of good resources on your website, too. And then you have some workbooks as well um, that... can they find the books on your website or? Yes, the um, books are on our website. There's an Orton Gillingham workbook series. There's actually a full curriculum of books. Awesome. And then a multi-sensory math program that I've created for foundational mm-hmm. math skills, like addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and so on. And then a awesome. whole lot of writing and study skills program called Strategies for Study Success, which taps into mm-hmm. writing, reading, comprehension, note-taking, test-taking, all of those key skills as well. And those are all very important. Okay, awesome. Well, that's, that's great. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It, um, it's been delightful to talk about reading and in a way that just is encouraging and, and supportive and, and really, you know, giving parents specific tools on, on how to view it and how to approach it. And I think that's most important is that sometimes we can get this overall arching view of reading's good. (laughs) And then we go, well, how do we go about it? (laughs) And so you just as in in summary, read, um, read to your child, read with your child, read alongside your child, um, and then make it multi-sensory and then use a structured program and, and get help if you need it. I mean, um, Dr. Emily has shared some some great um, resources. And so, so that um, those are those, those top four um, strategies. And I just appreciate you for elaborating on those and why they're so important, how to make them work. And, um, and just that it's, it's possible for any student. So it's exciting. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And it's been a pleasure being here. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you and um, just the work you're doing. Keep it up. Um, And 
I'm I'm excited to hear about um, just your future endeavors and and where your your practice goes. <laughs> and um, enjoy yourself in Texas too. Emily said she'll be in Texas presenting some research she's been doing. So yes. that's exciting. Yeah. Well, next week we will be talking about nurturing the heart, empowering the soul, practical advice for homeschooling parents of special needs children with uh, Terry McKee. Um, she is the um, the organizer of a uh, special needs homeschooling expo that's going to be coming up at the end of June and that um, SPED Homeschool is actually sponsoring. And um, Temple Grandin, Dr. Temple Grandin will be there as their um, main speaker. So we're super excited about partnering her with with that. And so she's got some words of encouragement for you next week here on the show. So you want to come back for that and, and join us there. Um, but thank you everyone for joining us live and for joining the, the conversation um, either on the recorded video or podcast. And we'll see you next week. Um, same time, same place. And until then, God bless everybody and um, have a great week. Bye everyone. take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's word.